Welcome to Tune In Tuesday with Christine Tadope, founder of Upvisor. I'm passionate about helping people understand their purpose and unlock the meaning in their lives through business. This podcast is all about tuning in with fellow entrepreneurs and understanding how they have discovered their purpose, but more importantly, how they live out their purpose every day. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Tuning Tuesday. And I am chatting to Joan Lane. She is the owner of Embracing Change, and she is all about transformational leadership, helping to create change for small businesses, corporates, and entrepreneurs, and, and all sorts of other things. So, Joan, it's such a pleasure having you here with us today. Please go ahead, introduce yourself the way that you like to be introduced. Hello, Christine. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. So, <laughs> my name is Joan Lane. I'm a change and transformation specialist. I'm a coach and a consultant who is absolutely passionate about change and transformation. As Christine mentioned, I work with corporates, I work with small businesses, and I work with individuals. And at the moment, I'm transitioning my business to work specifically around transitioning people. That sounds very exciting. Tell us a bit more about how you came to be where you are today. Like how, how did this whole concept of transformational change come about? So I'm actually British and my parents are Jamaican. I lived in, that's where I was born and raised. Then I lived in the UK, um, sorry, in France for 20 years where I had my children, uh, three boys, before moving to South Africa in 2001. So already just from my life, um, you know, I, I see myself as a global citizen because I've had to transition so many times through different cultures, different languages, different continents. Um, so already change was, you know, my life is already in my individual personal life, it's about change and mm -hmm. transformation. Then from a business perspective, I actually started out um, in uh, what you call hospitality and um, catering here. And uh, it's hotel and catering in, in the UK. And that was my trade. That's what, I, that's what I've got a diploma in. And um, when I actually had my children, when I moved to France and had my children, I realized that if I wanted to see my kids, I couldn't carry on in that industry because my, my then husband, who's now my ex-husband, he was also in catering. And I was like, okay, so what do I do now? Uh, you sure. know, if I'm not going to do catering, what can I do? And I had no clue. I ended up working for Polo Ralph Lauren and I ended up working for them for 10 years, starting off in the warehouse, actually just assembling those cardboard boxes that you put merchandise in. And leaving 10 years later as what they called um, a retail operations coordinator, where I was responsible for loss prevention, um, which also entailed training the managers, the stock manager, the store managers, the stock managers, the staff, um, and also working with the main distribution center, which was in Holland. Uh, so working with distribution and logistics and the auditors. In those 10 years, I also spent four years in IT. <laughs> And, uh, and learned how to uh, become what they call um, a subject matter expert on their systems, even though I didn't have a clue about computers to start off with. <laughs> uh -huh. and, um, and so basically that journey took me through so many different industries already in that one company um, that when I left, it was very difficult for me to say what I did. 
um, because it, it, it wasn't a clear, it wasn't like I was an accountant. It wasn't like I was a HR manager. I did all of these different roles um, and each of them, every year, literally, I was evolving and, and having wow. to re recreate my job description each time because my role didn't exist. So then um, after 10 years, um, one of the reasons for, for a lot of the changes as well in, at Ralph Lauren was Paul Ralph Lauren is that they had three takeovers when I was there. Oh my gosh. And so the third one, I decided, you know what? <sighs> I, I don't know if I want to stay there anymore. I had the option of um, staying with my team in Paris or I could have moved back to the UK and started afresh in the UK. By that point, I'd been out of the UK for 20 years and I decided that, no, I just wanted a complete change and ended up in South Africa because um, my father and my sister, who were also transitioning in their lives, we, had not, we hadn't seen each other for years, for maybe you know, between five and 10 years. But we were all transitioning at the same time and my father was looking for his roots in africa so so my parents are jamaica he came to africa to look for his roots and he came to different countries saw that there were many opportunities and said to his kids my sister my brothers you know um who wants to come over there's opportunities in um tanzania in south africa in angola in mozambique coming over wow. so my sister and i were the two that came over I came to South, here to South Africa and she went to Tanzania. And I went from working in um, luxury fashion <laughs> to working <laughs> in cement. Wow. Um, so that was a massive transition. Um, so it, it, we, we had two cement companies, one in Middleburg and one in Wittbank. So my transition was not only the, the industries, but it was also uh, the language because they only spoke Afrikaans. I didn't speak a word of Afrikaans. I didn't know what Afrikaans was. I thought Afrikaans was an Afri I thought Afrikaans was just a no way of saying Africa, you know, an African, African. Right. Was just okay. an mm -hmm. So there was a lot of discoveries at that point and massive change for, you know, for my children, for myself, um, the cultural changes, uh, the, uh, you know, it was a country change. It was the, the culture change. It was uh, the languages. Um, it, it was also, it took, it took me about four years before I understood that actually there wasn't just a black and white culture. Um, it, it wasn't that simple at all. And that mm. both within the white culture, the white, you know, white South Africans and black South Africans, that there were many cultures. And that took me uh, about four years before I actually realized that. <laughs> and I couldn't understand why, you know, when I was greeted by, by people, and especially black people, they would greet me differently. You know, Gunjani and um, uh, Jumela. <laughs> I didn't understand. <laughs> I was just like, why are they saying all these different things? And it took me, it took me a while. So, sure. so if I would go back to then the change and transformation, everything about my life was change and transformation. Um, you know, I, 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 I went from cement then to construction, I've worked in the banking, well, in the finance industry, entertainment industries, mining. Um, and then I realized that actually that's what my life is. I'm a chameleon. That's hectic. That, that's a lot of change that you've had to manage from a young age. So you definitely are an expert at managing change. And, and I'm sure from there, you have developed the, the understanding and developed the skill to be able to help other people through change as well because you've got this wealth of understanding about what change is actually about right 
So maybe then from there, link, link in and tell us a little bit more concisely, what, what would you say is your purpose in business with Embracing Change? So with Embracing Change, it really is about, for me, what I realized, it's about the people side of change. Mm. Um, because I, I've seen time and time and time again that whilst we manage the, the processes and the system changes, the people side of change is often, um, it's often not dealt with. And now what then happens is that many of the change, um, pro the change programs, they are not successful because we're actually not changing the culture and the mindsets that people need to, need to do in order for them to adopt change. And so that is, that is not just, you know, from my perspective, we've, there's, there's enough data and enough research to show that up until about five years ago, for sure, 70% of all change initiatives failed, but it was not because of the actual project. It was because people do not adopt the changes. Sure. So my focus is really on, you know, in terms of developing leadership change, it really is looking at what happens when the, a change begins, what happens in that, there's what we call the change cycle, there's what we call the change curve, and there's also what we call, you know, being committed to the change. How committed are you to making that change happen? Mm -hmm. um, so so those, those are terminologies within the, the industry. And when we're not, then managing that, that is why we have such resistance and why we see quite a lot of burnout as well from people who are in continuous change in organizations. Sure, that makes sense. And, and I guess, yeah, it's, it's tough for us to, to adjust well, especially if we're not used to change. And I know that people are in general quite resistant to change. So it makes absolute sense that one would have to make sure that you are addressing the, the people component of that at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. So how would you say that based on all of these things, right, it's sometimes difficult to make sure that we are communicating our purpose and, and we have to make sure that the people that we connect with, our customers, the way that we spend our time, the products that we choose, the people we even choose to collaborate with, all of these things need to be aligned with our purpose. So how do you make sure that you are staying aligned with your purpose? through looking at those four areas, your products, the way you spend your time, the customers that you choose to work with and your collaborators? So the, so the first thing for me is it really has been to distinguish between, you know, what I choose to do in, as, as, as a change manager. And recently I, I've really rebelled against the term change manager um, mm. because it, it's never sat well with me in the first place. And what is comfortable for me is change enablement. And the reason why is uh, because you know, to be a change manager, it means then that I have a, an entire, you know, I, I'm in control of a team or I am managing a team of people. I am managing resources, whether they are financial, whether they're, they're people resources. Um, you know, I have that, that I, I am empowered to manage that team. In my role, often what happens, it's the opposite. If I'm a, you know, as, as a lead, maybe on a project, often I am the only resource for change. And then I need to partner with people in the business and partner with people on the projects. And then we collaborate. So sure. I'm not able to manage the teams that I work with. The teams that I work with, they then, manage, they, they, they then are still um, reporting into their own managers. 
And mm -hmm. that's where the, I think there's been some difficulty as well in terms of change management, because we called it change management, that there's confusion as to what the role of the change manager is and what the role of then the, the, the team, you know, the actual functional team manager is, and then the project manager, and it gets quite confusing. So, the, so then if we speak then about change enablement, then I feel that I am work, work, working within my purpose, towards my purpose. Because mm. then I'm enabling others to learn about the skills that they need to become change leaders or agents of change. Then I'm able to empower them to uh, adopt, adopt the change that they need, um, find the resources that they need to support themselves through the change journey and to support their teams through the change journey. Sure. So, so by, by distinguishing, being very, very clear in terms of my role as a, a change specialist that enables mm -hmm. change, mm -hmm. that will support a business in embedding change competencies within an organization, that is where I feel then I am, you know, I am empowering others and I'm working towards my purpose, which is to teach others how to navigate that change whilst being empowered so they can, they can reach their highest potential. Sure. That sounds very complicated. How do you actually do this? Like, what does is, what is an average client relationship look like with Joan Lane? Um, I'd say it's a dance. <laughs> <laughs> but so in the corporate organization, it's very different to um, a small business and it's very different to an entrepreneur. Right. So I'm going to start with the, the entrepreneur and the small business. So generally, it's a lot simpler and it's a lot direct because... The, the, the entrepreneur and the small business, they are managing something that is, they are fully in control of. Okay. They don't have competing, um, they, don't, they, they, they don't have other silos that they need to work with or other, or other departments they need to work with. They're either managing just their own business or they are managing, well, they're either managing their small business and um, they're fully in control of their, all of the teams or they're managing themselves and two or three people. So it's quite simple and very direct and the coaching, then there's a coaching journey that is, that is uh, usually put in place okay. as well as a project plan, uh, a project, a project plan um, that will break down all of the changes that they're going to go through and what are the, the, the initiatives that they're going to need to put in place in order to transition. So for a, an entrepreneur or a small business, it's much easier. Mm -hmm. For corporate, mm -hmm. it becomes quite complex because as, you, as you've just mentioned one because of politics that's the very first thing that right. if we don't understand um first of all that in all corporates there will always be politics mm -hmm. um if we if we don't understand that it the relationship becomes quite difficult because we go in with the mandate and the as you know the the, the contractual agreement to say this is what we need to be putting in place however <laughs> what you'll find is that if you have not gone through the right channels or if you've bypassed a person that believes that they should have been informed, then that relationship already has to be renegotiated right? because that person may feel that you've offended them. So the politics, the, the relationships is highly important in terms of how we manage the stakeholders, how we engage with the stakeholders because that is, I would say, the, the key to the success mm. within the corporate, within the corporate environment. 
Okay, yeah, thank you very much. That that helps to clarify a little bit to understand what exactly it is that you do. <laughs> because I think maybe for our listeners, they, they have been a little bit uncertain. So that helps to clarify that. Thank you very much. Um, but, but that maybe leads me on to my next question, right? Because um, sometimes it's difficult to make sure that our purpose is aligned with, with what we're actually doing and the way that we communicate it has to be aligned and all of those sort of things. So have you had any challenges in the past with making sure that you're aligning to your purpose? And if so, how have you made sure that you've overcome that? So for about five years, um, I definitely wasn't aligned to my purpose because I was more looking at the, the comfort zone. And the comfort zone was to have financial security. So sure. having the financial security meant that, you know, so taking on, um, taking on certain projects that were not aligned to purely change management or change enablement. And, um, you know, the part, of, part of what we do is project management, but actually just getting more involved in the project management. And in that period, I was very unhappy, very, 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 very unhappy. And it was one of the periods where I burnt out. I burnt out, um, sure. I've had two serious burnouts. Um, and that's one of the things about when you're not aligned to your purpose, it's actually quite easy to understand because everything becomes very difficult. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're, you're, it feels like you've got weight on your shoulders and you're running uphill all the time. And somebody's pushing down on you. That's what it feels sure. like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so every not step is very, to be very in. Not at all. So you, you have indicators when you're not aligned to your purpose. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so as much as I had the financial security, um, it was one of the, 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 the most unhappiest times of my life. Um, in wow. terms of, you know, my work. And, and you know, when you, 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 you have those periods sometimes in your life where you get up and everything is heavy um, mm. and you don't want to get out of bed and you're literally dragging yourself along. Um, and that's telling you already that you're not aligned to your purpose. Yeah. And so eventually um, what happened was, well, I did burn out anyway. And eventually I just said, you know what? It doesn't really matter. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to take the leap and I'm going to go back into running my own business because I, I, I cannot do this. Um, you know, so, so as a change, uh, a change enabler, you partner with the business. When you are within the business, it's quite difficult to then support your business and your, and your, and your stakeholders because there is, because of the politics actually, right. they really do get in the way. So as an internal mm-hmm change manager, it is actually quite hard, quite difficult to deliver um, and to be empowered to deliver. Um, and that's why I think many of us are externals and, you know, we'd rather go be either a franchise or a cons- an external consultant. Mm, you're absolutely correct. I think it's really important for us to make sure that we are separating to a certain degree the, the type of input that we give and we split that out from the responsibility that you would have in the corporate environment. I think it makes sense to, to split those responsibilities. So, yeah, that's helpful. So, so one, of the, one of the greatest problems that we have is, and I'm using the word problems deliberately. I know that we want to use challenge, or, but I'm, I'm, I'm using that word deliberately. It is actually around language. That's the first thing, because we're asked to use certain language to not offend and to, to make sure that supposedly the message comes across. Mm-hmm. So what then happens is the message gets distorted 
because we're now tiptoeing around the elephants in the room. Right. <laughs> and there's many yeah. elephants. <laughs> there's many elephants in the room. I mean, I was saying to somebody, actually, it gets to a point sometimes where you have a herd of elephants in the room. And you can't <laughs> breathe so many elephants. Um, and, and so, I mean, if, if I take that the, there, are, there are three taboos, I would say. So if you want to speak directly about something like racism, we have to use the term diversity and inclusion. And that's okay, as long as we don't lose sight of what we're talking about. But often we've already diluted what we're talking about because we yeah. now changed the word, right? That's an example. Another example is um, sexual harassment. So I don't know what the PC word for that is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either, don't actually. Know well, we'll have to go Google it. <laughs> Yeah, so, so is it gender, um, it might be something to do with gender equality. I'm not, I'm right. not sure, honestly. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but again, because we change the wording, um, it gives, I, in my mind, this is my opinion, it gives us already an excuse to not address the core issue, which is the elephant in the room. Right. right. The third one is bullying. Mm. Um, and I was... I was called out for using the word bullying about four months ago. And I had actually stopped using it. But then I said to this person, I said, so what would you prefer that I call it? Because yeah. if we look at the behaviors and we look at the actions, what else is it other than bullying? Mm -hmm. And that's also one of the reasons I get myself into trouble. I do get myself into trouble is because I'm, um, people say that I'm candid. I, I, I do speak quite I'm quite forthright in what I say. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why I do that is because I'd like us to have clarity as to what are we in this room together for? There is a challenge. You've called me in and you've called me in for my expertise in something quite, quite, quite specific. And so if already when we get there, I'm told that I can't use this and 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 I can't use that already, we are not having an honest conversation. Yes. So the clarity that is needed, already the trust that I need to build with the people in the room is already eroded. Mm. That makes sense. You need to be able to speak your mind, right? Yes. And, and, and with all due respect, it's not, you know, I'm not going to go in there and, um, and go in and, and deliberately provoke and, and use language that is going to, you know, is disrespectful. Mm -hmm. But there are words in the English language, there's a reason why they were there, and they, they perfectly define or describe this one thing. And everyone knows what it is anyway, and they know what the word is. <laughs> yeah. so, so my question is, why are we dancing and tiptoeing around and, and using then these different words so that we, the conversation gets really awkward very quickly mm. <laughs> because we're dancing around the words. Absolutely. Um, and so, and so, so yes, I mean, like I said, if you want to, you know, edit it, that's okay. But I feel that we've gone too far in protecting people's feelings mm. when this is actually in change management and in change enablement, because we keep on protecting people's feelings, or we will say, this is soft stuff. Why are we talking about emotions? And we keep on avoiding the core problems at hand. Mm. Whereas if we have that frank conversation that is, it's, it's, it's um, um, uncomfortable, it makes us feel really, ugh, 
It makes us feel. That's the thing. It makes us feel. Yeah, that's true. But what I've seen is when we're able to actually have that conversation, frankly, Mm-hmm. The teams that we have those questions with and uh, those, those conversations with and the team leaders, it is incredible how fast that team then gets over the problems at hand and how quickly they bond and they gel. Yeah. It is, it, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. So we're afraid of having a conversation that will actually unstick us and we will carry on with that discomfort for even many years and create a toxic environment instead of just having the conversation. Sure. And having the conversation that's going to actually bring us closer together. Like that just doesn't make sense. (laughs) And it it is, it's ugly. It it, it gets ugly in the terms of it's real feelings and it's feelings that we're not used to. Mm. So, you know, people will cry, they will break down and they may break down. If it's not in that session, it might be over the next couple of days. So what do we do? We have to ensure that we have a safety, you know, that there's, there's, there's a safe space and that there is a, the necessary support for people who are feeling that I can't handle the emotions that are coming up. There mm. has to be the psychological support. We are not psychologists, but if we offer that as well to say, look, guys, if it's too much for you, this is also available. Please yeah. we recommend that you go. That's how I feel we really can influence change in a very constructive and positive way, but we have to dare to poke that, that well, it's not poke the bear, it's the elephant <laughs> in the room. We have to yeah. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> John, that's really interesting. And, and I'm going to bring us into to land now and ask you, and maybe it's something based on what you've already said, but is there one key piece of advice that you would like to provide for existing and aspiring entrepreneurs that will help them make sure that they are making their business be successful, but also to maybe find or stay in tune with their purpose based on your experience? Yes, there definitely is. If there's one piece of advice I would give any entrepreneur, invest in personal mastery. Mm. Invest in your life coaching. So with your business coaching, many people will invest in the business coaching and in business coaching, there will always be life coaching anyway. There's yeah. always going to be a portion that comes up because you can't separate the two. But I would be purposeful and I would actually take the time to, to properly invest in life coaching because the life coaching, the personal mastery, it actually allows you to discover for yourself that shadow side that we all have. It allows you to be face to face with some of the emotions that you are going to go through. What happens is because a lot of the times we're taught that demonstrating, I'm putting in the level, you can't see, but I'm putting in quote marks, (laughs) um, negative negative emotions is not good um, because that's drummed into us. When we are entrepreneurs, we go through so many ups and downs. We go through that valley of doubt um, you know, and I'm not good enough. And we go through it. And, and, and I think you can ask even the, the Richard Bransons, you know, mm. you can ask uh, the, 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 well, not Steve Jobs, he's, you know, he's died, but you can ask any, any of these um, very well-known successful entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter how successful they are. They will still go through, I'm not good enough. They will still go through, um, oh my God, I just stuffed up. I cannot believe that I'm so stupid. They will go through losing it with their scarf. They're human beings. And so when you go through a journey of personal mastery and you go through life coaching, 
what would usually happen is on a journey, your coach will take you through something where they will use a tool such as the Enneagram or something that I use also, I use Enneagram or I use Lumina. They may mm -hmm. use other coaching tools. The purpose of that is to give you, as that entrepreneur, the tools to identify what are your strengths? What are, yes, your weak points, but it's not about focusing mainly on the weak points. You're focusing on the things that you, you know, that, that really are going to make you successful. You need to look at your weak points because you need to understand, you know, where do they show up in the shadow self? Mm. Where is my, where are my blind spots? And the reason why I'm recommending that in particular is because with that, you are in control of your life. That is the self-leadership. That is how you build yourself as, 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 as you know, if, you, if you're able to lead yourself, you can always lead others. If you're not yeah. able to lead yourself, if you don't understand yourself, how then can you expect to lead others? Mm. And if you're with those tools, you also become, you also understand how to become compassionate with yourself. Yeah. And, then, and you develop that compassionate leader within mm. yourself. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we are very compassionate with ourselves. We much more likely to be compassionate with others than, than to cut ourselves some slack. And sometimes that's all we need, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Become, become your own coach in your head instead of your critic. Yeah, I like that. Awesome, Joan. I feel like there's so much information we can still extract out of this um, and so much wisdom we can extract out of this interview. But we are unfortunately at the last question where I have to ask you, if you have any exciting events or offers that you would like to share with our listeners and also where would they be able to find you online? Okay. So I will actually um, be speaking at um, the change conference, which is online. Mm -hmm. um, it's an international conference and, and that will be on October the 2nd. Um, I will communicate the time. And um, so I'm very, very excited because that's with the association of um, um, a company called Unchange and ProSci. Mm -hmm. who deal with the people side of change, um, that accreditation. And otherwise, you can find me on Facebook. Um, you can find me under Joan Lane at Facebook or Embracing Change. I have both profiles. Mm -hmm. And you can find me at joanlane.com. That is my website. There we go. A dot-commer with the global, a global citizen and a dot-commer. I like it. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much, Joan. It was really a pleasure chatting to you. And as I said, I feel like we could probably continue with this conversation because there's just so much wisdom that you have to share based on all of your experience, but really was a pleasure. And yeah, I look forward to checking you out at the change conference. And um, there's something else secret, which you haven't told our listeners yet, which I will also be looking out for soon. Oh, um, so that is, that is uh, my book, The DNA of Change. So I'm very, very excited. I'm, I'm busy editing it. So awesome. um, I'm really, really excited. It's that, that is uh, uh, 15 years in the writing. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so, so yes, yes, I did forget to mention that. So thank you for reminding me. Cool. That's definitely going to be worth a listen. Uh, once you put it on audiobook, right, for our listeners. So that'll be really cool. <laughs> See, see, now you're giving me something new to do as well, another change. <laughs> Adding to your list there. <laughs> yes. uh, cool, Joan. Thank, thank you so much for joining us. Eh? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much. 
Thank you for tuning into our podcast with Joan Lane, the owner of Embracing Change. And her key piece of advice for existing and aspiring entrepreneurs is to invest in your personal mastery. Start figuring out what that shadow side is. Elaborate on your blind spots, because if you can start to understand yourself, you can lead yourself. And in the end, you will be able to lead others. So until our next interview with a fellow entrepreneur, where we understand how they have discovered their purpose, but more importantly, how they are living it out in the real world every day, this is Christine Tadop signing out. Bye.